Lingua Podcast Live from Dessau is broadcast from Middle Deutschland and features all things languages. The show is hosted by our teachers, presenting students and guests from all walks of language learning experiences. Joining us this week on our podcast is a very special guest. His name is Conrad Feininger. He's here to share a little bit about his family's history and how he is connected to Dessau. Conrad, who was your grandfather? My grandfather was Lionel Feininger. He was uh, one of the first instructors hired by the Bauhaus in Weimar by Walter Gropius and uh, was a resident of Dessau from 1926 to 1933. Can you tell us a little bit about his life before he came to Germany? Yeah, uh, he grew up in New York uh, with sort of foster parents because his parents were professional musicians who spent almost all their time in Europe. Uh, so he was running around Manhattan with his friends, uh, playing on the docks and uh, spending his summers in Plainfield, New Jersey. Were his parents playing with, like, symphonies or orchestras? Uh, or? His father was a concert soloist on violin. Okay. I don't think he played for orchestras. I think he played concerts on his own. Okay. And the mother was an opera singer. Uh, but she was a, a sickly person and uh, was left behind by her husband. Uh, so her career didn't go as far as, as her... Uh, Lionel's fathers did. Okay. So at the time when he was getting ready to come to Germany, his parents were already in Europe. Most of the time. <coughs> yeah, almost okay. all of the time. He went to rejoin them. Uh, and in those days, you were told what you were going to be. And he was going into the family business of being a violinist. Okay. Uh, and he played the violin his whole life. So he had already started to study the violin. Yes, um, but he was also drawing in secret, too. Okay. Um, and when he got here, the lack of supervision allowed him to make his own choices. Uh, so he chose to go to art school instead of to uh, violin school, and uh, uh, that caused a lot of trouble. So yesterday when we talked about, just briefly when we were talking about this podcast today, Here's a 16-year-old that goes down to the port, the ports of New York City, mm -hmm. gets on a sailboat? Probably a combination sail and steam. I've never known. They were starting to motorize their vessels already by the, after the Civil War. And does he arrive in Hamburg? Uh, I think so. Okay. But I can't swear to that. Okay. I mean, based on the little bit of research that I did before our podcast... He does attend school in Hamburg at some time of his yes. life. Okay. Yes. Uh, and I believe this is also uh, where the, the first art school was. Okay. Uh, and it's, it's a complicated story because I think his, his first art teacher was the father of his first wife, Clara First. Uh, it was not a successful marriage. Uh, and there were two children from it. Um, but he was drawn into a world through personal connection as well as professional. Okay, uh, so he married 
the daughter of his first art teacher. This is my understanding, yes. Okay. Uh, but not successfully. And you said there were two children yeah, from that two marriage? Two girls. Two girls. So you have two stepsisters? Uh, they're step aunts. They would have been. Oh, what am I talking uh, about? Stepsisters. I'm already like confusing the, the chain. Here. Yeah, it, it, okay. it is difficult. Okay. Uh, uh, they were through my youth behind the Iron Curtain. They were mm-hmm. in the East. Uh, and the, the first wife was, was killed by the Nazis. Okay. Uh, she was Jewish. Uh, so this would be your great... Uh, no, step, your step-grandmother. Step-grandmother. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think I really can claim a relationship since the marriage ended before I was born. Uh, or my father Father either. was born, okay, yeah. Uh, that's right. All to the second wife, who was also a German Jew. How old was he when he married for the first time? Uh, I think young, maybe 22, 23. So he had been in the country like almost seven years. Uh, yeah, Th- this early history is, I would hate to present myself as an authority. Okay. Uh, I-, I really can't. Um, he achieved early success as a political cartoonist. Okay. Uh, and that morphed into becoming a cartoonist for the Chicago Tribune, where he made the Kinder Kids. Uh, one of the first color strips in the United States uh, that was put out of business by uh, the war. Okay. Uh, they would have had to move back to the U.S. to continue, and they stayed in Germany, and you couldn't go back and forth. Was he working for a newspaper publication here in Germany? Sure. Okay. Uh, uh, also a, in, in Paris. As a cartoonist? Yes, as a cartoonist, okay. political cartoonist. A political cartoonist, sort yeah. of like with satire? Um, yeah, uh, I went to an exhibit this summer of his uh, his political cartoons. Um, some are, are making fun of the construction of the longest canal in Germany. Okay, uh, that kind of issue. Uh, the main point to that is that he had a real successful thing going on, and at thirty three, he turned it upside down to uh, become a fine painter. Okay. Uh, mainly at his second wife's insistence. Uh, She was uh, an art student. Uh, She was married, too, Uh Uh, (laughs) uh, to a dentist, I think. Um, But she encouraged him, and and he gave up what he had been doing. And uh, I think the First World War helped with that, too. Okay. Uh, You know, he was an enemy alien had to talk to the post office every day. Okay. Uh, As a U.S. citizen living in Germany. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so from, from hum. okay, so I want to get the timeline right. Hmm. So he studies in various art schools in Germany. Yes. Okay. Then he becomes a political cartoonist. Yeah. Now at this time, we, can we talk a little bit about his relationship with his father? Uh, yeah, it was uh, virtually non-existent. Uh, they wrote letters, but from, uh, say, the turn of, of the 20th century uh, until his death in 22, they never saw each other again. And this was just because he chose to go a different path? Yeah. Not, uh, not into music, but into art. But the, there's, this, there's something else there. Uh, and my family were very close-mouthed. Okay. Uh, something about a watch being pawned. Uh, and I don't know the details. 
nobody ever would talk about it, but there was a, a huge uh, blow up. Okay. Um, and Feiningers hold a grudge pretty good. Uh, <laughs> so there's speculation that your grandfather pawned one of his watches. Uh, to help a friend. And uh, this upset uh, the father very much. But again, I don't know the details. Okay. So when do you think he had last contact? Because he, came, he comes to Germany. They must have met a few times. Uh, Maybe? Not that I know of. Okay. Uh, so did this rift begin in the States before he came to Germany? No, I think it began over here. Okay, so they at least uh, saw each other. But I think that they hardly saw each other in, okay. in New York. Okay. Uh, because he, they were He traveling. speaks much more of other people okay. raising him. Okay. Uh, like when he was growing up before he got on that boat, who was taking care of him? Various people. Uh, there was a, a farm family in New Jersey that he spent a lot of time with. Okay. Uh, and it's possible that some relative of his mother's uh, was involved, but, but this has never uh, been explained to me, and okay. almost all the biographical writing is in German. Okay. Uh, so I, I know very little, uh, and with my father's passing, I know less. Okay. Uh, did all right so from a political cartoonist he meets his wife uh the second wife um yeah he's on a, a sketching trip in the baltic uh outside of rostock uh and she is also on vacation up there mm -hmm. and it's a sort of instant attraction how old is he at this point 1903, uh, 1871, 81, 91, 01, 31, 32, or 30. Okay, yeah. 31 or 32. Yeah. All right, so he falls in love for the second time. Or for the first time. This, this I've never been able to forgive him. Uh, one you know, it might be the equivalent of a shotgun wedding, uh, that she was pregnant and they had to. Were the girls born uh, quickly, like the both uh, of them? Yeah. Uh, the offensive term in the U.S. is Irish twins. Okay. Um, so, yes, there's, there's, say, a year and a half between them. Okay. Uh, it was pretty quick. Uh, Do you know if he ever had con Did he keep contact with his two daughters? Uh, well, yeah, he did. Um, after my father died, uh, we had to settle his affairs, and part of that was settling Lionel's library, okay. which my father inherited. Mm -hmm. And we kept finding little watercolors. They're called ghosties. They're a late thing he did. Uh, and apparently he would make these uh, to send to the daughters in the east of Germany so they could sell. Okay. Uh, but he had to hide them from Julia, uh, who didn't want him uh, giving stuff away. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was also money we found in there, too, okay. in these books. Uh, so he was, he was like, secretly supporting them. Uh, the last year he went to the Baltic, uh, 
before the Nazis shut that down, was mm-hmm. I think 33. It was already too hard for Julia to be there with flags all over the place. Okay. Uh, but there are pictures of him entertaining his older daughter with her three children. Okay. Uh, and there are pictures of all five kids together. Uh, uh, my father and his two brothers, along with these two girls. Okay. Uh, and in the care of Julia's father. Uh, so there was some progressive thinking uh, going on, and they were accepted within the family. Uh, but I've heard that the latest biography of Lionel, which came out this year, I'm embarrassed, I don't remember the author's name. It's okay. Uh, attacks him for having left these people behind. Uh, Interesting. Uh, the the first wife, Clara, uh, survived the war, apparently, uh-huh. uh, but turned herself in as a Jew near the end and was killed at Auschwitz. Do you One know of, what year that was? It would be uh, early, early, early 45. Okay. Uh, as things were shutting down. She almost made it. She turned herself in? This is the story I've been told. Um, wow. Uh, looking for better treatment or I, I don't. I don't know. Okay. Uh, but the two daughters survived. And I, uh, when the, the big lawsuit happened, they uh, uh, helped uh, testify. And there's a picture of my father with his half-sister uh, in Munich, I think, in 74. Okay. They're the, gone. They're now. both dead, right? Oh, yeah. They okay. were older than my father, and he made it to 101. Okay. Interesting. Um, so your grandfather's second wife yes. is the one who sort of steered him into art. Julia Burke, yeah. Okay. Uh, or into fine art. Okay. Um, they had an immediate affinity. He tried to encourage her as an artist. She uh, gave it up to manage his career, okay. uh, to, to, uh, to make the great man. Um, but... Uh, his first contact with Weimar was following her to art school there before the Bauhaus, okay. uh, which is one of the reasons that he agreed to be part of the Bauhaus, is that Weimar had a very romantic association for the two of them. So she studied there. He followed her. Yes, and, and visited or uh, did his own thing there. Uh, so this is before, okay, so 1919, he goes with Gorpius, but this uh, yes. is before he, 1919, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. He'd, the, the period from, say, 1910, 12 to 1919, he was establishing himself okay. uh, within the, the problems of the war and so on. But he was, he was the most famous hire and the first hire uh, by Gropius. So how is he earning a living at that time? As an artist? Is, uh, his, is he selling his works? Yes, they were beginning to sell. Uh, he was, as we've said, a successful cartoonist. Right. And they got a lot of support from Julia's father. Okay. Uh, who was, uh, I think, a coffee broker okay. in Berlin, a, a successful, prosperous businessman. Okay. Uh, and I know they got support from that. Uh, he was a very progressive man. You can see it in the photos. So when, do you know the year they got married? Uh, that's a little fuzzy. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it was 1907 in London. Uh, maybe shortly after Andreas I was born. Mm-hmm. 
although that would make it 1908 because his birthday was in December. Okay. Um, I know they had to marry in London uh, because of divorce policies. Okay. And they were also in Paris. Um, he he drew for Le Temoin, uh, uh illustrated newspaper, mm-hmm. um, and and was becoming a Cubist there. You know, part of the the art movement okay. in Paris at that time. Um, and then they went to Berlin mm-hmm. uh, to Zehlendorf, uh, and were there until they went to Weimar. And this is your father is born in Berlin. Yes, nineteen ten. Okay. And, and I think uh, the middle one, Lawrence, was also born in Berlin. Okay. How many brothers and sisters did your father have? He had uh, two brothers and two half-sisters. Okay. So just two boys from his second marriage? Uh, yeah, there were three boys altogether, okay. uh, just as I am one of three boys. Uh, the family is so closed-mouthed about things they don't want to talk about that for years I thought it was just the finding our way that there were nothing but boys. Uh, Andreas had one child, a boy. Uh-huh. Uh, Lawrence was a priest, so he had no children. Right. Um, and uh, I didn't realize that there were these two girls until later. Interesting. Uh, but then I didn't know that my father had been married at first time uh, until I was in my 20s. Okay. And when I asked, he said, because it was none of your business. Uh, and he's right. But it would have been interesting to know why my father was 40 when everyone else's father was 25. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it's okay to ask questions. It was a, it was a different world. Uh, it was a different world. When did, okay, so let's talk about his, his art. Hmm. How many different types of medians did he work with? Uh, he worked primarily with oil on canvas mm-hmm. or with uh, watercolor on paper. Okay. But he also made uh, woodcuts, lithographs, uh, sculptures, uh, toys, uh, model boats, uh, and was a skilled photographer. Okay. Which my grandmother tried to hide. Uh, she didn't think much of photography. Okay. Uh, but you can see it on the street right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, here in Dessau. So here in Dessau this week at the Bauhaus Museum. Until the 14th of November. They are celebrating his, which particular type of craft are they celebrating? All of it? Photography. Photography. Yeah. Uh, And outside of that, uh, his daytime photos of Dessau, uh, a chance to see Dessau almost 100 years ago. Now, are they normally kept in the Bauhaus Museum? Is there a permanent collection? Uh. No. Uh, these all came out of the archive at Harvard. Okay. Uh, it is a Bauhaus uh, person who is doing this. She's also writing a book. Uh, uh, Christine Ergang, uh, who is part of the Masterhouse mm-hmm. wing of the Bauhaus. Okay. Uh, the, the Bauhaus has uh, materials of Lionel's, but these came from Harvard. Okay. How does Groypius find out about your grandfather? Uh, there were there were major shows, uh, art shows, and he had his excuse me ear to the ground, um, and it was a smaller world. Okay, because in this period, like if he's in Berlin in nineteen ten, mm-hmm. like 
only nine years after that, he's traveling with Gropius going to Weimar. Yeah. So in those nine years, he's established himself as a great artist in Europe. Yes, I think, I think that's fair to say. Okay. Uh, he was very popular. So Gropius sees his work. Do you know when the first time they meet is? No. no. Uh, Do you again, think that was in Dessau? <laughs> I think, no, I think it was in Berlin. I think it was in Berlin, uh, okay. Dessau only comes up when uh, the progressive mayor of Dessau in 1925 uh, finds the money to to build the new home. Okay. Uh, they were, you know, the, it was the Weimar Republic. Mm-hmm. Uh, things were were getting pretty dicey there. Okay, uh, so let's talk about that. Okay, so Gorpius hires your grandfather. Yeah. Okay. As uh, a te- as a teacher. As a teacher, uh, everybody at the Bauhaus taught perhaps outside of their primary field of expertise. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the theory, as I understand it, of the Bauhaus is is to live uh, for the art, not for the art to live for you. Okay. Uh, so the point was was to be doing, uh, and not uh, only studying in theory. Okay. Um, so it's a philosophy. It's a way yes, of life. Yes, it is. Okay. It's not just a hardware store. Right. <laughs> <laughs> as I pointed out yesterday. <laughs> That confused me very much when I first came here. <laughs> Platenbau. Yeah. So they go together to Weimar. The campus is a step. Does the school open in 1919 in Weimar? I believe so. Okay. Um, it had been a, a more uh, formal old school academy mm-hmm. uh, that was changed into the Bauhaus. So what kinds of courses are they teaching on the curriculum in 1919, they're teaching uh, weaving, uh, uh, printmaking, uh, 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 woodworking, furniture building, uh, and fine art as well. Okay, so your grandfather is teaching. In in Weimar, he was. Yeah. What course is he teaching? Uh, he was uh, in charge of the printmaking workshop. Okay, so artists would have their drawings. And then they would be printed. Uh, yes, and they were experimenting with printing techniques. Like and, duplication. Yeah, okay. uh, inventing typefaces, uh, you know, all kinds of, of things. Interesting ideas, right, yeah. when it comes to... Yeah, and the technology was changing. And he's also, he's still working on his art. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, painting away. I don't know how they found the hours in the day to do the things that they did. Okay. Uh, this this has been a mystery to me. Uh, he took pictures the way we do now, mm-hmm. snap, 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 hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pictures, and printed them too, you know. And I had an old school darkroom when I was young. Mm-hmm. It takes a minimum of nine minutes to produce a photograph just from the chemical here, chemical here, mm-hmm. chemical here, and there are hundreds of them. Okay. Did they have that darkroom on campus? Uh, I don't know that he was doing it in Weimar. In Dessau, uh, they had a dark room in the basement of the master house. Okay. Uh, and I just learned the other week uh, that they kept the light of, out of the dark room in the basement with one of his paintings. It's <laughs> <laughs> classic. So what was 
his wife was she also teaching was she studying in Weimar like what what was she doing there I think that she actually uh, studied in the ceramics workshop I don't I don't swear to that okay uh, she made some of her own art mm-hmm. uh, I find it racist uh, she made collages uh, little cut out pieces of paper to make portraits of like dancers and exotic uh, people okay uh, but you know, black people with big lips and, and, and not so nice. Okay. Uh, I don't think anyone cared back then. Uh, but more and more and more, she became his manager and his agent. She negotiated with galleries. She handled sales. She, um, uh, she, she was a business person. But the other thing to remember is that they were almost never together. Uh, Andreas, the older brother, was in poor health sometimes, as was she. They used uh-huh. to go to spas in, in the Black Forest. Okay. Uh, she spent long bits of time with, with her father in Berlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was from almost the very beginning. Uh, we know so much about them because they wrote letters all the time. Okay. Uh, and there were three mail deliveries a day in this country uh, back in the day. Three so you could mail write came in the three morning times. and get an, an answer in the evening when the last mail was delivered. Uh, it, it really is remarkable. Uh, and they had telegrams, too. So this is when Toy Japan operated on time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it, pretty miraculous. Uh, I've had your letter this morning. And three, to... three mail deliveries in one day. Yep. Every day. Astonishing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it, you know, it makes me wonder about their relationship uh, because they were apart so much. Okay. Uh, he would go to Dape uh, on the Baltic, which is now in Poland with a different name, and I don't know the name. Uh, but he would go in April and stay till October. And she would come for like two weeks in July, like a normal person. Okay. Uh, but he, you know, he had a pretty rigid schedule. He would. Uh, work on watercolors mm-hmm. uh, up there, and then in the winter he would turn them into paintings. Uh, okay. It was, it was like a, a creative factory. Um, and did he have a warehouse where he would keep all of his artwork? Uh, I, don't, I don't know in Weimar. They lived in an apartment. Uh-huh. Uh, but in, in Dessau, the, the Master House studios uh, have pretty big storage spaces. Okay. And I'm sure it was... Uh, there in the house. So, what is your f- what is your father doing in Weimar? As a is he a student in an elementary school? Uh, no, that was that was in, in Weimar. It was was that uh, he and Lawrence were sent to a boarding school uh, during the transition uh, to Dessau. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he had a terrible hay fever. Uh, allergies or whatever, and had to leave school. And so he was kicking around the house with nothing to do. Okay. Uh, and that's how they got into the model boats. Uh, and these are not just your average model boats. Okay. Uh, these are fully functioning miniature sailboats uh, that they would sail on the Baltic in the summertime uh, and in yacht ponds uh, during the year. It was a popular sport. So he then. would take a block of wood... And just start whittling away. Yeah, or 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 building a, a model 
uh, in Quedlinburg, they have like this three-story galleon, uh, fully functional. Okay, you mentioned Quedlinburg, like my student also mentioned that that mm -hmm. city, which is not that far from here. No. What is your father's relationship with? This is this this is where it gets a little ugly, um, and I have to be careful. Okay. Uh, there was a student at the Bauhaus named Hermann Klump, and he became a close friend of the Feininger family. Uh, the director of the Moritzburg uh, was Alois Schart, I believe is the right way. Uh, when they had to flee, they left a massive amount of material here, uh, more than 50 paintings, full-size paintings. This would have been in 1937? Yes. Okay. Uh, more than 2,000 works on paper. Uh, and we come to find out most of my father's early works, too. So it's another 175 pieces. Uh, they were left in the care of Klump, who was from Quidlinburg. Okay. And uh, uh, Quidlinburg ended up in, as part of the East, of course. Uh, until 1965 or 67, nobody uh, seemed to care about these materials. Uh, Lionel died in 55, but he died working, making new things. Mm -hmm. uh, and Julia never pursued it. Uh, eventually they did, and uh, they won a lawsuit, and the East German government declared the works to be national art treasures so they couldn't leave the country. So they were all still there in Quedlinburg? Yes, and other parts of East Germany. Okay. Uh, there was a second lawsuit in the 80s, uh, and the family was one of the only private families to successfully sue a government. Uh, they won the case, and a lot of the materials came even before the fall of the wall. But thousands of pieces still remained. In another 10 years, uh, those were finally surrendered. And 15 years after that, the year my father died, in 2010, uh, it turns out that they had almost 200 pieces of his art that my parents had saved. Uh, so there was this... The same name. Yeah, Klump. And... The final deal that got worked out is what allowed the Feininger Gallery in Quedlinburg to exist. Was he sitting on it? Was he selling it? He wasn't selling it. He was sitting on it. He believed, uh, I think, until his dying day that, that it was Lionel had given this stuff to him. Um, was it properly maintained? Was it properly stored? I believe so, uh, to a certain extent. Uh, but, you know, they say they overlooked... My father's stuff. I've Do seen the cabinet it came out of. It's in Quidlinburg in the lobby of the gallery. It takes four men to lift empty away from the wall. How you don't know this is in your house for 60 years is interesting to me. Four men to lift the empty cabinet. Yeah, I wanted to see the labels on the back to see where it was made and, uh, and what was what was what. So there was an agreement that was made between your grandfather and this man? Well, supposedly. Yeah, I mean, it was all done in haste and, and maybe moved in a horse-drawn cart under a blanket. 
you know, it was a dangerous times. In the darkness of night. Uh, you know, he, he had been labeled a degenerate artist, and uh, they were destroying work okay. uh, when they found it. But they were, they were very close. Uh, I've seen a, a photo of my father's room in the Bauhaus, uh, in the master house, and all he would say is, that, this is after Klump took my room, uh, and they, they, he lived in the house with them. Uh, okay. I've always thought there was maybe something a little more personal. Uh, and the only fact that everything, was everything still there? Uh, like all the pieces that were left to him in 1937? I don't know how careful an inventory there was. Uh, as I say, the works on paper are still bleeding out of uh, Quedlinburg now. Uh, so some are missing. Don't know. Uh, I think the the major pieces were all intact, but I don't... They were not careful people mm -hmm. and operated on trust and operated under... You know, they didn't flee in the night. One of the biggest pieces of furniture I have they brought with me is a chest taller than me. Um, so fleeing was different than to America. Like from Bosnia or whatever. Uh, yeah, but they, they left in a hurry uh, and left things behind. Did they think that the art would get confiscated by the authorities on the way out? I I can only speculate, uh, but I think they were also limited in what they could actually take. You know, the, the Nazis made some pretty strict rules, and they were like penniless when they got to New York. Uh, so I think they weren't thinking about this stuff, and I don't think they thought about it until 10 years after Lionel's death, and I think it was probably the family lawyer uh, who was a lawyer to, to most of the major artists of the mid-20th century, a guy named Colin. Okay. Uh, so your grandfather was not lumped into a group of artists that their work was either stolen? Well, he was one of the degenerate artists. Okay. Uh, I, don't, I forget how so many that is a So that is a name. He was a yeah. degenerate artist. The degenerate art exhibit set the standard, uh, and there are pictures of, of Hitler making fun of these things. You know, they were hung in the museum, sort of slanted and with, with nasty frames uh, and made to look primitive, like Picasso's African stuff. Uh, all of this was, was part of the campaign uh, to destroy the thinking of the time. Okay. Your grandfather comes back to Dessau in 1925. Or it comes for the first time. Comes for the first time. Yeah. Because of the Weimar, the Weimar campus is... Uh, it, it's closing, it's coming, and Gropius offered him a deal he couldn't refuse. Okay. Uh, Rent-free housing in a brand new house, and you don't have to teach. You don't have to do anything. Okay. Just be finding her on campus. Be finding her here. So in that name, the finding her name is... He's, bolstering. He's a, he's a famous man. All over, all over the world. N primarily Germany at okay. this time. Okay. Uh, but famous enough that the the mayor of Halle wants the Halle pictures, uh, and originally yeah. that was supposed to be one, uh, but Lionel was so enchanted by Halle uh, 
that he did, I think it's nine. Uh, They're right here. So the mayor of Halle invites him to Halle. Yeah. Is it under a, uh, like a contract? He it contracts was, him? Okay. It was a contract. Okay. Uh, yeah, he, he had his housing there, and he had his studio in the round tower of the Maritzburg Museum. Okay. And I, I put in a plug. Uh, the, the new director is not doing right by Feininger. When they renovated the museum, they, they made the Feininger corner where you can look out the windows and see the things he painted. Uh, but the Moritzburg Museum is as beautiful a place as you're ever going to see, and the best melding of, of modern architecture with, with whatever that period is. Right. Sort of Norman era, the 900s. Uh, they've laid this steel structure on top of an old stone fort-looking place. It's beautiful. Okay, I've seen that. I've, when I went to get my second, no, my first vaccination shot, I walked by that building, and yeah. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. Uh, it's worth going inside, even though it's it's... Right now, they're they're not showing the respect to these paintings that they should. Okay, uh, they've loaned them out. A lot of them are in Quitlinburg, which is also worth visiting. Okay, you know, a, a, a medieval town where the streets were too narrow for tanks to ruin it. Uh, it's like walking in in the Middle Ages. Uh, the only th the only thing I know about Quitlinburg is that the Christmas markets are unbelievable, and I haven't I haven't visited it yet. Yeah. Uh, but do, now I now I will do. I've been there like three times. Okay. Uh, it's really special. So, Weimar is becoming too dangerous or difficult to live in. Difficult and uh, maintaining the support that the institution needs is difficult. Okay. Uh, what can I ask? I, and I don't know if you know this, but who are the students? In, in Weimar in 1919, 1920, are they? They, are run, they? The, they run the gamut. Uh, in, in the early days, uh, what nobody knows and is figuring out now uh, is that there were uh, much more women than men. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the men have been killed um, in the war. But uh, there were more women than men. It was progressive in that way, although they weren't very respectful to the women. Mm -hmm. uh, there were combination of brutally poor people uh, and children of, you know, lumber barons or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, my father's best friend was, was really poor, uh, died of TB after trying to live in a, a stable, a horse stable, uh, and it was too humid and too cold and too nasty and uh, it killed him. Yeah. Uh, but then there were people like my father who were uh, 16 years old, walking around in suits and ties and uh, uh, living the life. Yeah. How is it that Dessau establishes a part of that campus? It, it's the whole campus. Uh, okay, the, so the whole Weimar campus the, is closed. You'd, you'd have to... The, uh, well, it, it was threatened with closure and then closed because they went to a new home. So really, it was only open for six years? In, in Weimar. Uh -huh. But it, its golden age was, was here from 26 to 33. 
these custom-made buildings uh, designed to Gropius' specifications. Same with residences for the masters. So does Gropius know that the the end is coming in Weimar? When does he start getting contractors and subcontractors to build the Bauhaus and the Meisterhauses in uh, Dessau? Does he, does in, he in 1924 or 25, the mayor of Dessau offers oh. to build this for okay. them. Uh, and he, he then designs it and accepts this offer mm-hmm. uh, and comes here. The, the mayor is the real hero. Uh, Do you know his name? I'm not a historian, uh, but it's, it's been on some of these kiosks on the corner. Uh, okay. He was a real progressive man. Uh, and the fact that he got it done uh, in spite of all these political stuffs that are, are, are bubbling and boiling. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was very lucky. Okay. Uh, so your grandfather comes back to Dessau in 1926. And again, for the first time to Dessau. And your father comes with him. Uh, yes, he's, he leaves boarding, he's in boarding school in Hellerau, uh, and the hay fever takes over, and, and he, uh, he comes home. Uh, th- there were bedrooms built for the three boys in this house, mm-hmm. but they weren't in full-time residence. Uh, Lawrence went from Hellerau to Heidelberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andreas, he studied furniture making in Zerbst for a while. Uh, and then uh, uh, fell in love with a Bauhaus student, and uh, that's a short version. Mm-hmm. Um, was already interested in photography and published his first book of uh, pictures from Sweden uh, and then emigrated earliest of all of them to the U.S. where he became one of the foremost photographers for Life magazine. Uh, Jesus. Oh, yeah. Uh, I feel like I'm talking to, like, royalty. Uh, no, but, but there is a strong creative bent in this family, uh, and the family business is art where others would be in law or medicine. Okay. Um, yeah, Andreas is, was arguably for a while the most famous of them all. Uh, is, you would recognize some of his photos for Life magazine. Okay. Uh, they are iconic in the extreme. Amazing. Uh, I understand that he would occasionally invite special students to his studio mm-hmm. uh, and that he would... Uh, look at students' work, um, but I think he valued his freedom. So Gropius just wanted to give him a. Their relationship is. We haven't talked about their relationship. What what was their relationship like? Um, I mean, was I think it was was positive. Uh, I understand that Gropius was a uh, maybe a difficult uh, person. Where my father was a grandfather was a, a shy retiring person uh, but Gropius was always in some affair or other mm-hmm. uh, with but he recognized your grandfather's talent and he gave him the space to yes. and he gave him the freedom yeah. to explore it I mean they are they are linked together for all time the Bauhaus manifesto is a Lionel finding or woodcut on the cover what I know is is that it was uh, a coming out uh, for both of them, that Lionel was only beginning uh, his work uh, with woodcuts, mm-hmm. uh, and that some of that came out of material shortages after the First World War. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
that there were uh, many drafts of this before it came to what it was, but it uh, is essentially a cathedral of light. Uh, and uh, a cathedral is the original bow uh, building, mm-hmm. uh, and and the light is, is the freedom of knowledge. and, and uh, uh, But the manifesto particularly displays your grandfather's work, like 12 pieces of his work. Yes. Uh, I'm really only familiar with the cover. Okay. And because it's in German, I've never read it. It's the woodcut piece, yeah, right? Yeah, the woodcut of on the, the cathedral. On the, yeah. I mean, it's so intricate. Yeah. I mean, the details. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's amazing. Um, but in, in Dessau... Uh, It's hard to imagine them in that house that is so modern. Uh, and, you know, he was a modern artist, but mm-hmm. he, was, he was also, I mean, he was composing music, and what he chose to compose were fugues, uh, old Bach, organy kind of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> who, who influenced his art? I mean... Did he? Do you? Know, did your father ever talk uh, about I'm that? Again, or like? not an art historian. Okay. Um, I'm sure uh, Picasso helped. Uh, he admired Chagall. Uh, I think George Braque. Uh, but I am. Mm-hmm. I am not a historian. He mm-hmm. also, I think, saw himself as a pioneer. So. On and off, he lives in Dessau until they leave the country. No, uh, there were two or three years back in Berlin okay. uh, before they left. Uh, they left late, like 37, mm-hmm. um, and after some really threatening stuff. Uh, Nazi fans of his art tried to warn him twice, uh, even before he left Dessau, that it wasn't safe. When, when did he leave Dessau? Uh, like I think they left 30s? when the when the school folded uh, in thirty three or thirty four. Okay. Um, so his friends here are urging him to leave. Uh, well, Nazi contacts are. I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Schlemmer died in the war. Uh, I guess Kandinsky went to Switzerland. Um, he did not follow the Bauhaus to Chicago. Uh, when does, what year does Gropius leave? Does he leave after him? I think they all left at once. Okay. I think maybe they lost the leases on the houses, which none of them owned. The city owned them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know that. But are they leaving direct? Like you said, a couple of years they lived in Berlin. Was that after 1933? 1933, everything Yeah, closes. from 33 to like 37. Okay. Uh, I think they were in Berlin in an apartment. Okay. How do they get home? Uh, on a, a ship uh, from Hamburg, mm-hmm. uh, as, as people now take a plane. Uh, as I say, they fled with a... Uh, massive amount of furniture mm-hmm. so it wasn't fleeing like we know it like i wonder why why take the furniture and not the art well they did take art uh, but there was so much art uh-huh. that it couldn't be done uh or it would have drawn attention to itself i don't i don't know how that goes okay um but they 
but how many people there's more than 2,000 different pieces that are left in it Germany? works on paper, yeah. Okay. Uh, major paintings, I don't have an accurate count, but uh, say more than 50 and less than 100. But still, I mean, these are not small paintings. Right. Um, Woodworking, uh, carvings? It, that I have that I, never seen come out of there. Uh, some ship models, maybe. Uh, okay. But I think he did a lot of the carving after he got to New York. Uh, doesn't take up so much space mm -hmm. to make these little, uh, what's called the city at the edge of the world. Okay. Uh, little figures and houses. So who gets on the boat? Your uh, grandfather? Did, Julia and he. Uh, Lux left in 36 and was already in New York. Your father left a year earlier? Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, he had early success uh, selling paintings, um, but it, it just got too hard, and he saw how dangerous things were. Mm -hmm. um, how old is he when he leaves? He's uh, uh, 1936. He's 26. And Lionel had already, I mean, Andreas had already uh, gone to New York. Uh -huh. He had a, a kid by then, and he was established in New York. Okay. Uh, but they were all pretty poor at first. When your grandfather reaches New York, how old is he? Uh, 37. He's like 65. Uh, 1871. So bad with math. 81, 91, okay. 01, 11, 21, 31. So yeah, he was 65. And had to really start over again, you know. He he worked all his time in Germany to be seen as a German, and he was always identified as an American. I don't know how you do that, but it happens to me too on the street. Uh, somehow Americans look different. I don't know. Uh, but then when he gets to New York, he's seen as this German artist. He's... He's already like, okay, so he's super famous in Europe, in, in Europe. Germany, in Europe, let's say, yeah. right? And, and selected collectors, intelligent people who've spent time in Europe are also... Know his work. Yeah. So he gets to New York. Does he open a gallery as soon as he lands? He continues a relationship with a gallery dealer that he, he had been involved with before. Um, but it's tough going at first. Uh, he has a retrospective show at the Museum of Modern Art. Uh, what year is that? 41, 42. Uh, I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah, sure. Uh, and the, the thing that really made him uh, was a, a competition at the Metropolitan Museum of Art uh, for war bond sales uh, where he takes second prize and gets a bunch of money. Okay. Um, and that's in, in the book my father wrote uh, with Andreas, A City at the Edge of the World. Okay. Um, he talks about how uh, proud and pleased he feels and how the people wander around looking for the stickers of who won what, and eventually maybe they look at the picture. Yeah. <laughs> Where does he live in New York? Outside of Greenwich Village uh, in the West 20s. Uh, the whole family sort of settled there. It's a great location. 
Yeah, uh, and, right by the elevated railroad, uh, and he was there for the rest of his life. I mean, today that's known as the artistic part of town, so he's in the right part of town. Yeah, and in an apartment that I think was, was I was there only as a seven-year-old boy. Uh-huh. I have no memory of it. Uh, but it, it seems like it was made for artists, that there was a, a big place with good windows and good light where he could paint. Okay. Um, and again, sophisticated fans helped at the right moment. Um, so in 19... 19- 37, 19, in the 19th, when is the, okay, after the, the MoMA mm. uh, show, it stirs some interest, you know, his name is being passed around, he's living in Greenwich Village, he's working every day, painting, yeah. how much is art selling for at that particular time is he doing it for to support the family for sales because you said he arrived I think he does it for sales okay uh, so at that point what I think what seems like nothing now was something then of course uh, so I would guess you know maybe four to six thousand per painting okay uh, which in those days was was huge good money um, I know it was hard at first, but by the war years, they were spending summers in the country in Connecticut in rented houses. Okay. Uh, they can't have been doing that bad. No. Uh, and after he died, my grandmother would come to Cambridge for the summer and stay in a hotel. Uh, that doesn't come free. Right. Uh, so I think things became okay. Uh, and I, I know that we were the beneficiaries of it. I never went to public school. Okay. Uh, we didn't eat out or, or be frivolous people, but we had advantages that other kids don't get. Thank you for listening to Enlingua Podcast, live from Dessau. We hope you stay tuned for more episodes.